Hey everybody and welcome to Rabbit's Ramblings Podcast 107. Oh my god, so many podcasts. I can't believe I've been doing them so long. This time I talk about Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. And I talk about the newest Tomb Raider. There are some similar themes in both. So it's kind of cool that I talk about them at the same time. And I saw Iron Man 3, so I'll talk a little bit about that at the end. Enjoy the show! Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon is a standalone thing, so you don't really need to have Far Cry or know anything about Far Cry to play it. It is made by Ubisoft Montreal, and it is available for digital download on PC, 360, and PlayStation 3. It can probably best be described as a first-person shooter set in the future of 2007. And 2007 is the future because this is done in sort of a retro style, you could say. From sort of a 80s cartoon slash science fiction movies perspective. So it's got some old school stuff going on that's pretty funny. And it's got, you know, stuff that is based on the movies and cartoons of the time period that were, you know, sci-fi-ish. And so there's a lot of hilarious references There's cyborgs, and there's laser weapons, and there's a post-apocalyptic future because they nuked Canada and invaded Australia, and the Soviet Union was like a superpower, and so it's all kind of themes and references to, you know, the stuff in the 80s that was very popular and very cool and very ridiculous at the same time. The actor who does the voice for your character is Michael Bean, who played Kyle Reese in Terminator. He was also in Aliens. The basic gist of the game is that you are on an island trying to stop your former commander and his cyber army. The island is open in that you can go anywhere you want. And scattered across the island are 13 garrisons, which are basically small bases. And as long as they are operated by the bad guys, bad guy patrols will leave the base and they'll drive around on the roads. And I think they'll try and take over nearby garrisons, which have been turned to, you know, your side. But I've never actually seen them succeed in retaking a base. When you do take over a garrison and turn it to your side, your guys will come in pretty much immediately. And they will defend it from the bad guys or any, you know, animal wildlife that tries to come into the base. In addition, a couple of side quests will unlock anywhere between one and two, I suppose, with you know, updates or added content that could change in the future. But with those one or two side quests that unlock, when you complete them, you'll get money, and often those will unlock a thing that will allow you to modify one of your weapons. So that's pretty much how you get unlocks for the weapons to specialize them in ways that you like. I really should kind of make a format for games if I'm going to keep doing review-like stuff. But every time I think I should do that... I do 
a different kind of review and focus on different things. So I don't know. I will probably not do any kind of official format, but I don't know. Um, if people hate that my review type things are all chaotic and all over the place, you know, let me know and I can probably think something up to make them a little more organized. So I will begin my rambling in no particular order. The game is 15 bucks and it is not done like, you know, a triple A title. Though it actually is very close to one. There's only a few gripes I have about it. And I think if they got rid of those gripes and put in some more content, it really could be a AAA title. If it is selling as well as reviewers are loving it, it might just pull in the same kind of sales numbers, which would be kind of surprising. But, um, you know, not entirely surprising because it is very awesome. One of my biggest gripes is that part of their 80s old school style is that they have these cutscenes and the cutscenes are like 8-bit graphics and they're they're hilarious you know they're done in the style and they're actually really well written I think but they move incredibly slowly I don't know if they're done to mask like a big load in the background but it's like they'll say a line and the wait and the wait and the wait and like the, the picture won't change and so it's like I think if they sped them up by maybe 30 or 40 percent, you'd still get the same amount of content. You know, the pictures would all be the same, but, you know, it would flow naturally. Otherwise, it's like, hey, we need to stop the bad guy. Wait, 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 wait. Yes, we need to advance to this position. Wait, 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 wait. So it's like really, really painful. I don't know why. Maybe the old school cartoons were like that and they just wanted to emulate that. I don't know. I certainly don't remember them being that painfully slow. But that is probably one of my bigger gripes. Another one of my big gripes is that there isn't really any kind of sound controls. It's like you have sound and music and they go on or off. And that's really the only kind of sound controls you have. And overall the game sounds really quiet. Especially if you're, like, walking around and, you know, you're trying to hear animals or bad guys. You know, it's like, they can be literally right on top of you before you can hear them sometimes. So it's like, I would really like it, you know, if the sound were, you know, higher quality, I guess you could say. Where, you know, there were sliders to turn up the voices, turn up the the sounds, turn down the music maybe a little bit. Music isn't too loud, but, you know, typically I like to turn it down a bit because, I don't know, it's always a little too loud for me. But absolutely, you know, the voices should be much louder because it's, like, really hard to hear anybody in the game. So if you're trying to, like, sneak up on somebody, you could very easily be, you know, watching a couple guys and somebody walks right up next to you and you didn't hear them coming. It's like everybody's in stealth mode or something. Your character moves really, really painfully slow when he's not running, which is another kind of pet peeve for me. I don't know why he moves so slow. The bad guys don't seem to move quite as slow. Maybe it's because he's this cyber warrior and he's supposed to be really heavy or something. But I don't know, it's kind of a bit too slow. I don't know, it seems painfully bad sometimes. One of the things that might be the style of the Far Cry games is that the goals are kind of unclear. There's sort of one main storyline, which you get a waypoint for that. But other than that, it's like you don't really have any goals set for you. So it's like you kind of need to figure out 
I can open my map, I can set a waypoint, and then I can choose to give myself a goal. And then things become more clear. As you clear the garrisons, that will unlock one or two side quests, and then those will, you know, put markers on your map. So you do get more quests and goals as things go on, but right when you start the game, if you're not used to that, if you're not expecting that, the goals seem kind of unclear. It's like, okay, I did my main quest. Now what? Do I do more of the main quest or what? There are a decent number of weapons, and as you do more quests and do more achievements, more stuff unlocks to enhance them, which is pretty cool. Because you can choose to enhance or not enhance the weapon. Like there's an assault rifle and I got several unlocks for it that I actually didn't like. So I pretty much kept it just in its basic form. But I could have changed it and modded this and modded that and modded this other thing. And it would have been, you know, a very different kind of weapon. So it is very cool that, you know, the weapons are very customizable. And sort of can tweak to fit your style. You can carry four at a time, not counting two different kinds of explosives. So that does limit you a little bit because there are like, I think by the end of the game, there are three other weapons in addition to the four that you can carry. So you can't carry all the weapons all the time. But it does seem like a really high number of weapons for, you know, most shooters these days. Most limit you to two or three. So being able to carry four plus two different kinds of explosives plus two different kinds of grenades Seems a bit ridiculous, but that's part of the charm of the game, is its ridiculousness. Saves are automatic by a checkpoint. You can save. I didn't really use the save all that much, and the checkpoints are kind of infrequent, so it's pretty much like you want to watch out for a good stopping point, you know, if you just finished a quest, or if you just finished taking over a garrison, you know, we'll save at those points, and that might be a good pausing point for you instead of trying to, you know, force it to save somewhere. It seems very console-like in its save point nature. One of the cooler things that I really like is that he has this cyber eye, and enemies don't automatically appear on your radar thing. You have a little radar in your lower left corner. Pretty much the only thing that automatically shows up there are cars and the blood dragons, which I won't talk about too much, not to spoil the surprise. But if you turn on your cyber eye to its special vision and you zoom in and you look at bad guys, you'll sort of tag them and then they will appear on your radar. So it's kind of really important when you're going somewhere, especially if you're going to assault a base, you kind of want to sit back and scope it out and check it out from a distance at first. Make sure you get as many bad guys on your radar as you can. Because you can't use weapons and your cyber eye. He has to have his cyber eye on and then he can't use weapons while he's using it. So that's a very cool sort of strategic feature they've put in the game. I have not played the Far Cry games, so I don't know if this is something similar to the other Far Cry games, but I think it's a very cool feature that fits right in with their sort of 80s cyber style. The AI is actually pretty smart and, you know, makes it very cool to play with smart AI. They'll group up sometimes, you know, it's easier to blow them up with grenades or whatever if they group up. But, you know, they'll they'll spot you and they'll, they'll move towards other guys who have spotted you and then some guys will go to flank you. And when they run to flank, cover is not the kind of cover where you have to, like, push a button to be in cover. It's just kind of like, you know, you go behind something and duck and then you're, you know, in cover. 
And these guys will like run to different covers and they'll like slide when they get there and they'll stay behind the cover. So it's pretty smart AI. I, I like how challenging it is. I mean, you know, you do get used to it pretty quick, but it is smarter than many of the other shooters out there. It seems like you are fairly invulnerable and that, you know, dying is actually kind of difficult to do. There are healing, like, injections you can use, which will heal all your hit points up right when you use it. Most of the time, you won't have one of those. You can still heal yourself. It will just do between one and three bubbles of health. So you'll have to do it multiple times to get back up to full health. But even if you drop down to zero health, you still have, like, a little bit of damage you can take before you're totally dead. So you pretty much have to, like, explode a car right in your face or you know, get a bunch of guys shooting at you all at once really fast. It's kind of difficult to die. If you're careful, you take some damage, you duck behind something and heal up a little bit. You can pretty much keep fighting forever without too much concern. You can play how you like, which is very cool. I primarily used stealth and snuck up on guys and did like a melee takedown, or I would use the bow at range and snipe a guy. Bodies don't ever go away. And I don't think you can pick them up or hide them. I never got any sort of skill or any button to push to do that. So you have to be like really careful where you drop somebody because somebody else could see or, you know, a patrol could wander in and be like, oh, hey, there's a dead body here. Oh, and speaking of the bad guys, in 80s style, they talk in synthesized robot voice. So that's always kind of hilarious as well because they are very much like, you know, an arcade game bad guy sounding voice so that's hilarious one of the other things that is kind of annoying is it wants you to connect to this uplay thing which i guess is a ubisoft thing i don't think i have any other ubisoft games so it's like i got it through steam and so i say play you know play the game on steam and then i pop into this ubisoft thing it's like wait now i have to log in through this second thing to log in and play i guess it wasn't too bad if you're like me and, you know, you're not always online, you can set it to always load in offline mode. And then there's, you know, not a problem if you're not connected online. But, it, you know, it's, it's implied they want you to be online all the time. It does seem to catch up on my achievements, you know, when I did get online after I'd been playing offline. So that's very cool. It's not, you know, um, game breaking or anything. But it's just kind of weird to see, you know, I go through the Steam interface and then I go through another interface to get to the game. The only downside to the game is that leveling is automatic. I mean, you know, in the sense that you do have sort of skills that upgrade and change as you level. There's not a talent system. It's just you get what you get. So that was kind of disappointing. But that, you know, and the minor stuff I mentioned before is really the only problems I have with the game. It would have been nice to see an actual talent system. I mean, you know, I understand why they did it. You know, it's 80s style to not have a talent system. And 80s, true 80s style, you wouldn't even have levels. You'd just be whatever level and that's it. But, you know, they are going for a lighter game. They're going for an arcade style. They're going for something that's, you know, easier to pick up and play. So, you know, it all makes sense to not have a talent system. You know, just get what skills you get. It took me six hours to 100% it, as they say. You know, do all of the collectible things and take over all the garrisons and finish the main quest. And that was on medium. So it's not, 
you know, a huge time sink of game. You could probably plow through it in three, maybe four hours if you don't 100% it. But it is absolutely wonderful and hilarious fun. The 80s style is very cool. You know, it's like if I was 12 years old, this would be like the most awesome game of my childhood ever. It's got all the cool components of the 80s cartoons and science fiction movies. It's done really, really well. All of the concepts these days, you know, are now pretty ridiculous. I mean, you know, cyber soldiers and there's like, you know, mutated animals and then the blood dragons. Wow, that's just way over the top. But it's done so well and so perfectly that it is, you know, over the top in a hilarious and truly enjoyable way. And if I were to give the game a rating, I would say uh, out of five stars, I would give it five stars. Or out of a percent system, I would say 90% maybe, because, you know, there are some issues I would, would have liked to have seen, you know, cleaned up. One of the more annoying things is if you try and tab out, it will change from full screen to window mode, which is like, what's going on there? I don't know. You know, add that to my other minor gripes. And, you know, there's minor gripes, minor issues they could have cleaned up. But, you know, it's a 15 buck title. You know, give it three or four months, it'll probably be 10 bucks. You know, it is an awesome deal and well worth the money. Unless, you know, for some strange reason, you really hate 80s style and, you know, futuristic science fiction of the 80s. You know, if if you are such a person, you would not enjoy it. But if you're pretty much anyone else on the planet and like first-person shooters, it is well worth it, and I would highly recommend you pick it up. Tomb Raider is a few months old. It is a restart of the pretty much entire series of Tomb Raider. As this is sort of Laura Croft's origin story, it is a few months old and it was on sale, so I went ahead and grabbed it. So most people who are interested have probably played it already. But those of you in my listening audience who might, you know, wait for a sale or wait for prices to cool down, you will get to hear my rambling and decide if uh, you want to pick it up when it goes on sale again. I think the sale's over now. But only being out a few months and going down to, you know, a half-price sale, it's probably going to continue to drop pretty quickly in price. I have played for just under eight hours, according to the timer thingy on my account. And I have only done the single-player campaign. I have really no interest in the multiplayer campaign. So all of my comments and analysis will come from that perspective. Tomb Raider is made by Crystal Dynamics. Somebody else did the multiplayer portion, which seems kind of strange to have a different company do your, to do a a part of your game, even if it is kind of a, a separate thing. The general gist of the story is that you are an archaeology expedition trying to find some, you know, lost location that was spoken about in Legend. 
It seems like Laura is kind of doing this for a friend of hers who is one of the main NPCs in the storyline. You know, not something that Laura herself was seeking out. They're all on a large boat, and the boat it gets caught in a storm, and they crash on an island. Stranded on the island, pretty much everybody gets separated. Laura sort of gets captured by pirates and escapes from them, and slowly works her way through finding her other friends that were on the boat. And in the meantime, you are slowly revealing the mystery of what it was you originally came out here to find. Being that this is Laura's origin story, and, you know, you were in a boat crash, your primary starting weapon is a bow. It's also really good for stealth, which, you know, early in the game, the odds are kind of heavy against you. They kind of get worse, so it's not like the odds get any better, but stealth is pretty critical in the early game. You do get a single pistol early on. Those who were fans of the original Laura Croft Tomb Raider games know that, you know, her signature thing is kind of dual pistols. I haven't actually gotten to a point where she gets dual pistols. And from what I've heard, that doesn't happen until pretty much the very end of the game. This is sort of an origin story of how Laura, you know, becomes the Laura Croft we know in all the previous Tomb Raider incarnations. As the game moves on, you do find other weapons of different types. Each one typically gets a little bit heavier in terms of how much damage it does and fire rate and, and killing potential, I suppose I could say. And the game sort of seems to lean more and more towards the heavier weapons in terms of the odds you're going to face and what kind of weapons the bad guys use. The graphics are pretty awesome. I think they go quite a bit beyond the console version in the PC version because there is an option to turn tessellation on, which is not even an option with the current generation console hardware. They'll be able to do it in uh, future generations, the ones that are just coming out at the end of this year, but they can't currently. Off the top of my head, tessellation is a relatively new thing. It came out a few years ago. Games are still just sort of starting to incorporate it. But it's basically sort of a layer over, like, skin or, say, like a cobblestone area, which makes flat things look not entirely flat. There was one demo of it quite a while ago. I'll, I'll probably link it in my show notes in the Heaven benchmark. And it shows a dragon without tessellation on. And it's relatively flat. It has you know a few spikes on its back. But if you turn tessellation on, it's got spikes and spines everywhere. But the mesh model underneath is still the same. And they show a cobblestone walkway, and the cobblestone walkway is all flat and boring, you know, without tessellation. But you turn it on, and it looks like, you know, an actual 3D cobblestone walkway. Anyways, kind of a side tangent, but Turning tessellation on on my system with the effects, I think at medium, there are some areas which really beat up my system and it gets pretty slow. It looks amazing, but, you know, it it is pushing the higher end of graphics, which is, you know, good news if you want to turn it up. And if you get it on a PC, you know, in theory, it should be a much nicer, you know, visual experience than on console. Not that anything is wrong with console, just, you know, has a higher potential for shiny, you know, fancy effects on PC. Most of the stuff in the game is sort of contextual, and so Laura doesn't do stuff, you know, with a lot of button clicking. 
Like if you go to cover, she'll just bump up against it. You won't have to actually push a key or anything to actually get in cover. But as part of it, it seems strange that she can't crouch or sneak. She will automatically just move faster or slower, depending on if there's bad guys in the area. And so it seems kind of strange to have a game where you can't choose, you know, I want to sneak all the time in this area, or I want to, you know, run quickly in this area. She just kind of does it automatically, so that seems very odd. The game also has a lot of quick time events. For those of you who are not familiar with quick time events, those are usually what people refer to when they say, here's this scripted period, and you'll get grabbed by the bad guy, and you have to wiggle your joystick back and forth, and then wait for this specific time and push, you know, X or whatever, and then move your joystick this way, and then push Y. You know, that's typically what people refer to as a quick time event. There are several of those in the game. I wouldn't say there's like an overly high number, but there are, you know, quite a few of them. I am not using a controller. I'm just using keyboard and mouse. So they are kind of challenging to do because you have to, you know, push, you know, your movement keys back and forth, which is a lot more difficult than a controller pad. And it'll sometimes say, you know, push F as example to kick this target. And it's not like highlighted in any way really. So if it says F, it's a, if it says Q, if it says E, you know, it's only a small change in the letter. So that's kind of a really bad design because your brain wants to read what it says. You know, it's not going to quickly look at F or Q or E. You know, if they had it just there with the letter in like a colored thing, that would be great. And in fact, most developers actually do do that. So, you know, your brain sees it and quickly recognizes it. So that is one kind of gripe I have for the game. It's not real great in terms of, I guess, contextual clues would be what people typically call it. So that's really kind of my biggest gripe in terms of, you know, not using a controller. I could use a controller, but I don't know. It doesn't seem really necessary. I would happily do so. You know, I have one. It is an option. You can do it. I just don't think it's it's really that critical for this game. Through the game, Laura will get experience, and from the experience, she will get sort of talent points. And you can pick and choose a few different things, which give you sort of minor boosts. None of them seem really critical. And there are three tiers, as they are calling them, and you have to spend a certain number of points to get to the next tier. And it really doesn't seem like there's all that much choice, you know, as you progress. Sure, the order you unlock them in might make a difference to your playstyle, but it seems like with the number of points you have to spend to unlock the next tier, it's like you've almost bought out every single skill, you know, in all the trees on that tier that are unlocked to get to the next tier. So it's almost like you don't really have a choice, you know, in terms of which talents you pick. So I think they could have done a little bit better job with the talents. You do also find salvage, and the salvage allows you to upgrade and tweak your weapons. Similar to the talents, they don't seem to make a huge difference. They'll add things like, you know, a bigger magazine size or a slightly faster fire rate. It's not anything totally game-breaking in terms of changing. I mean, it's still going to be the same basic type of weapon. But it is, you know, kind of cool to see. But I have 
you know, at times gotten a ridiculous amount of salvage, like of like 2,000 salvage. And it's like, you know, each upgrade only takes maybe 250. But it's like, you know, I don't want to change, you know, the weapons because the weapons I don't use, you know, don't need to be upgraded. So it seems like, you know, you get plenty of salvage and you're kind of upgrading stuff you don't really use because you have this overabundance of extra salvage. Something about the game, possibly a head bob, possibly a shaky cam on many of the game in-game cutscenes when the characters talk and have conversations will cause me to sort of feel a little bit motion sick after a few hours of playing. There was a motion blur turned on by default. When you, you turn your head around, things get blurry. I turned that off, and that, that seems to have helped quite a bit. I don't know why that's on there. I don't like that effect in games. It's not really realistic. But I don't know. That might be something to watch for if you are somebody who gets a little bit motion sick. Also, I think the character animations and movement might have something to do with it. I don't know why it is, but the character kind of slides when they stop. You know, they don't come to a quick stop. I mean, yeah, it's realistic. But, you know, in a video game, if I'm going one way and I flip my controller, you know, the other way, I want to be able to, you know, snap and turn quickly. I don't want to sort of spin around slowly and wibbly-wobbly, you know, around this invisible stick that I've got down my back. You know, I want the character to turn quickly. So controlling, you know, the character is a little bit off. I, I don't know quite why. I remember, you know, I played a few other Tomb Raider games and they were kind of similar. So maybe it's just, you know, they're keeping the same kind of animation style. Maybe it's just this particular game company's style of movement. I don't know. It's kind of um, a little bit odd. I don't I don't really like it. I would much prefer my character to snap and move quickly. Also part of the movement and contextual changes is that sometimes you'll go behind cover and you'll go to shoot somebody and it'll, you know, it'll show the camera over one shoulder, whereas another time it might show it over the other shoulder, or maybe it's more in the center. So that kind of throws off my game a little bit too, because then when I'm snapping my weapon, you know, sort of around the corner, as it were, it's not always at the same angle, you know, on the screen in the same way. It's a little bit wishy-washy on where it's going to go. So that makes combat a little bit more difficult than it should be. But again, that's kind of a minor gripe. It is kind of cool that things are mostly automatic and contextual. The game seems more like a a sort of interactive movie than an actual game due to the high number of in-game cutscenes, the quick time events, and a lot of that way they use the contextual stuff, you know, how things change according to what she's pointing or what she's looking at, which is actually kind of great in a way, and it's really cool and a very different experience. You know, you feel very much like you are Laura in this adventure. There aren't a whole lot of times where you're doing like repetitive stuff that's like, oh, this is definitely a, a boring game that's making me move these blocks back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. You know, everything's pretty quickly flowing, I guess I could say, and, you know, changing up enough that, you know, the scene is always changing, the story is always continuing, the characters are, you know, dealing with being on this island and being stuck and trying to get off it. So there is always sort of this forward movement of the story. And it does seem, you know, more like an, an interactive movie, which is very cool. 
It does seem like sort of an odd mishmash of combat slash storytelling slash quick time boss like fights slash light puzzle solving. It's not even typical Laura puzzle solving. The puzzles are typically only like two or three steps and you're done. So I don't know if that's because it's sort of a reboot and they want to get a lot more people interested in the series as a whole. And so it's like, you know, these are all aspects of Tomb Raider games. We're going to introduce you to just a little bit of a taste of each of them. I don't know. I suppose I have played, you know, eight hours so far. And if we just took, you know, combat slash story slash puzzle solving, you know, that's like, I don't know, two and a half hours for each type of thing. So it's not like a small amount of time. And I'm not even done yet. So I don't know how much more there would be. So I guess maybe it's not as uh, lightly sampled as it feels, but it feels like there's a lot of switching and a lot of mixing up of stuff. I would say overall it is a pretty awesome experience. The graphics are very good, especially with Tessellation on. I haven't turned them off. I do get quite a bit of slowdown in some areas, so I might need to turn it off at some point. So far I'd rather you know, have the higher visual quality and the higher experience and, you know, be a little bit slow than not. Because it does make a very engaging and interesting experience to watch and play. And I would say if you are, you know, a fan of the Tomb Raider series, if you're somebody like me who has just played a few games, maybe seen one or two of the movies, and you're like, well, you know, I was never a huge fan, but I've been curious about it. I would say the new restart is a very good point to pick it up at because it is you know the origin of Laura and it is very good overall. I do have one kind of minor gripe which seems like a really strange gripe to say is it a few times so far it seems like there has been sort of an excessive amount of violence towards Laura. I mean you know she's killing probably hundreds of guys already you know easily You're killing half a dozen to a dozen guys in any given scene. So it's like, you know, oh, these guys are being really mean to her. And do we really want to put this in a game? You know, it seems kind of silly when she's killing so many guys. But there are a few scenes which made me go, do we really need to do that? You know, is that really necessary? So I don't know. Um, If that kind of thing bothers you, you might want to avoid it. Because those few scenes have kind of stuck out in my mind and seemed a little excessive. Which, again, you know, seems kind of weird because, you know, Laura's killing all these guys. You know, why should it not be fair for her to get beat up in a few scenes? I don't know. That is probably my only real concern about it for anybody who is considering playing it. But again, overall, I would highly recommend it. I guess if I would do a rating-type system, I would probably give it five stars or maybe, like, 85 to 90% on a percent scale, because there are a few minor issues that could have been a little better. Like I said, controls could be a little tighter, and there's that odd motion-sick aspect. But other than that, it seems like a pretty solid game.
So despite my figuring that Iron Man 3 would be completely full, I went to try and see it opening weekend. When I bought the ticket, I asked the person, you know, how full is it? And they actually said it was only 40% full at the time I bought the ticket, which is really kind of surprising because I bought it like one hour before showing. I did go see the IMAX 3D version, so maybe that's why. Maybe, you know, people around here, you know, it's like 16 bucks. Maybe people don't want to pay that much. But, you know, I had a, a free thing to go in, so I didn't pay anything. Ha ha, ha 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 ha. You know, even if you had to pay that much, um, it's probably worth it. The 3D was very cool. It was kind of subtle. It wasn't, you know, stick things out in your face or have a lot of depth just for the sake of depth. You know, it was a more this-is-real-life kind of style of 3D. They weren't, you know, trying to impress you in any way in terms of, whoa, that's so in my face or, whoa, that's so deep. You know, it was just there, and it looked, you know, a lot more natural. Of the series, I would say... This is very high up there. I liked 1 and 3 probably equally. thought they were equally as awesome. 2, I remember I didn't like quite as much. There was some stuff going on and I was like, meh, meh, meh. I mean, I haven't seen it in forever, so I, I don't really remember it all that clearly. But this one is, like, really good. I, I highly recommend it if you are an Iron Man fan. They do some interesting stuff with pretty much all of the characters. Tony Stark is trying to deal with what happened, you know, in the events that took place during the Avengers movie. So he's dealing with some stuff left over from that. He and Pepper are trying to move on with their relationship. So there's a whole aspect of that going on. And they introduce a couple of other new characters that are very cool and interesting. I guess this movie came out from a limited run series uh, in 2006. So it wasn't super old, but it was, you know, fairly recent. So it's modern-ish. They did change some of the elements from the original story. I myself did not read the story. But, you know, I read the wiki page and was curious if this was an actual story and if the characters were, you know, as they were in the comics. And a few things were changed. So if you're a total hardcore, this isn't like the comic, you know, kind of person, you might be, you know, miffed about a few things. There is one thing, like right at the end, I'm like, I, I don't think that ever happened in the comics. So I'm kind of curious about that. But not being, you know, a super hardcore comic fan, not knowing the original series they pulled the core plotline from, I thought it was an awesome movie. I thought it was really great. Pepper was super hot as always, and she's like extra hot in certain parts of this one. And there is, you know, some growth in the different characters and, you know, some change as the movie goes on. So, you know, it's not like a static thing, which I think sort of, you know, depresses some people. You know, the the characters start and then they don't change the movie. You know, it's not a terribly interesting movie. But in this case, that is not the case. You know, they, they do develop, they do change a little bit. And I am, uh, you know, looking forward to future ones. If you are a sort of fan of the different superhero movies, which are, you know, related to this one, you will want to stick around to the very, very, very end. Because there's a little ha-ha-ha thing at the end to watch for. Most of it is action. At least, it felt like it. It felt like there was at least, I don't know, I would say 50% of the movie was action. So there is... Quite a bit of action. That's just a guess on my part. I don't know how much 
you know, action to dialogue and story there is. But it seemed like, you know, there was a, a lot of it. Didn't seem like there was too much of it, like it was imbalancing. It did seem, you know, very good and, you know, balanced in terms of how much story and stuff there was before, you know, the various action-y parts. But, you know, if you are going for a movie and you want to see lots of dialogue and lots of character interaction, you know, not going to happen here. This, you know, comic book movie, it's got a lot of action. So you should expect that. But as I think I said, you know, if you're an Iron Man fan, you should definitely check it out. And in my opinion, it is worth the extra money for the 3D and the IMAX. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. So news this week is a little bit different because the only news I have is to say everybody should go out and see Star Trek Into Darkness on the 17th, just about one week from now because it's going to be freaking awesome. I'll probably see it in IMAX 3D on the first weekend it's out. Don't know when. Um, probably Saturday. I don't know. I'll I'll figure it out. And I'm still sad and confused as to why they didn't do the first one in 3D. It would have been, like, perfect for 3D. It confuses me why they wouldn't. So I'm very happy this one is in 3D. And I would say everybody should go out and watch it. And if you haven't seen the first one, you should definitely, you know, rent that and check that out first. If you're kind of on the fence, you're like, I don't know, I, I sort of like Star Trek. I don't really know if I'm a fan of the original series or, you know, even if you're a hardcore fan of the classic series and you're like, oh, I don't want to see my characters change. I would say rent the first movie. If you aren't impressed in the first 10 minutes of the movie, don't watch the rest. You know, go ahead and, you know, say, well, I gave it a shot and I'm not really interested. But I'm betting if you even remotely like Star Trek, if you were a fan of the classic series, I think the first 10 minutes will blow you away enough to be like, okay, I will go ahead and give the rest of the movie a chance and check it out. Because I'm a hardcore fan of the original classic series, and I think the new restart is just really awesome. Just a quick edit back in, and I'm doing this somewhere unusual, so it might sound a little different. It's Mom's Day on Sunday, so don't forget to say hey to your moms. And to all the gamer moms out there who are listeners, happy Mom's Day. Yay! Hopefully people will be able to do cool, fun things with their moms on Mom's Day. So I guess that is it for this Rabbit's Ramblings podcast. There's no Pirate's Treasure, and there's not really anything else new or interesting going on in my life. 
pretty much just doing those games I mentioned this time. Not really doing any multiplayer stuff. My friends that I play with are busy, so I haven't done anything with them in quite a while. Not really any other multiplayer games I'm looking forward to outside of Hearthstone, which maybe, you know, I'll get in the beta in like a month. I don't know. So, you know, nothing going on with multiplayer that I can think of to talk about there. But hopefully everybody is having a good time in life. And summer is coming up. So hopefully you are having some nice weather and cool fun things to do with your friends on the weekends. And hopefully I will see everybody next time. Okay, thanks, bye. This isn't happening, Dale. We're not here. It's just a bad dream. Oh, I agree completely. Why, we'll wake up any minute to Harper and have a laugh about all this. So you do get more quests and goals as thing goes as as per there and they'll stay behind the cover. And so it's it's pretty it's a ha So they're all on a bork a bork 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 e bork bork But as I said, you know, if you're on the basic gist of the game is that you are not an anana. Oh, uh, I don't want to talk about that. Yeah. I'll be back. You have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation, you can find the show website at www.rabbit.com dot com slash podcast slash rabbits ramblings dot html if you would like to send me an email you can do so at rabbit at rabbit dot com if you friend me you can also post on facebook at rabbit dot com you can follow me on twitter and youtube at rabbit dot com it's rabbit dot com but with not a period when you type Rabbit's Ramblings, don't use the space, and be sure to put the number 1 in place of I whenever you type Rabbit. Rabbit's Ramblings is copyright 2013 and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license.